If you would open your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. And while you're turning there, I want you to think about something. Have you ever been over maybe a friend's house or maybe gathered his family over the holiday seasons? You sit down, maybe you're playing a game, maybe a game of cards. And then the worst possible thing that could happen to you happens. You lose. It makes you upset. And you're sitting there and you're probably crying inside because you lost a game. And then something inside of you snaps. And you overreact. You get up, you throw the game across the room. You take and you throw the table. You lose control of yourself. Or maybe you are watching your sports team. Maybe you are watching sports and the referee made a bad call. You were on the edge of your seat. You were, you were eager. You were hoping your team was going to win. Oh man, whenever that bad call comes out, you're out of your chair. You're yelling at the television. It won't do you any good. But you lose control of yourself. Until maybe somebody says, hey, calm down. Regain control. These are some secular examples of losing control. But the question comes, are we to be out of control as Christians? This is a great question, and we need to answer that. As we look to answer that question, remember, the Bible is God's Word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 say, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. John chapter 17, verse 17 says, In the words of Jesus Christ himself, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is true. And as you are opened in your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1, let us look to the source, to the source of instruction, God's word. Let us read verses 6 and 7. Rather, start in verse 5. But for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, love. We are going to be focusing on self-control this morning. But Peter is here writing to Christians. He's writing to those Christians, part of the church. The reason why is given in verse 8. For if these things, the things we just read, are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the reason why we need to look at these things. So you say, yes, I understand why, but what is self-control? Well, if you were to look it up and get a definition in the English language, if you were to look in Webster's Dictionary, it would say restraint exercised over one's own impulses, emotions, or desires. So it's the ability to keep yourself in check. That governor or regulator inside. In the King James, if you're using the King James Bible, the word would be temperate, which means avoiding extremes in behavior or expression. A very close synonym to this word also would be the word moderate. 
But the Greek definition, the original language that the Bible, the New Testament was written in, in the Gospel Advocate Commentary, it says the word is derived from two Greek words, meaning one who holds himself in. So it comes from two Greek words, and they are used together to make one Greek word that is used in the passage. The definition of this, as in the Strong's Concordance, would be self-mastery, self-restraint, self-control. These are very simple to understand. But the very neat thing about this word is the only other time that it is used in this way is in what we call the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5, verse 23. These things really set the stage for what self-control is. The word study is very important whenever we're looking at something in the New Testament. Say, so yes, that's good. Self-control, yeah, I know what it is now, but how do I practice it? Self-control is something that is needed by all Christians. One of the biggest areas a Christian needs to work on self-control is in our speech. We might ask why. Turn over to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Start in verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Brethren, if our speech is not controlled, are we the light of the world? Are we the salt of the world? We must not sound like the world in our speech, because if we sound like the world, is there any light in what we say? Is there any light in, what, in our actions? Brethren, we must speak properly. Turn over to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. We'll read verses 5 and 6, which says, Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. The church must walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, and our speech must be proper toward those who are outside. It also must be proper for those inside the church. But if we are speaking in a way that is not proper, will those outside the church see any good in us? If they hear us and we are using language that we should not as Christians, will they see a light? Will they see one who has the ability to control themselves? Rather than if our speech is out of control, where is the evangelism? They're just going to think we're one of them. One who's in the world. This is why it is so important. Brethren, if we, if we are those who get cut off on the roadway and we pull up to the sidelight and the person who cuts us off is sitting there with their window rolled down. And if we roll our window down and we start chewing them out using foul language, is our speech controlled? The answer is no, it is not. Will we be showing purity in our speech if we are like this? say, yes, it is 
necessary. It is hard to control, however. Turn over to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. Start in verse 2. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able to also bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, we may, and we may turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. Then it goes on to show how the tongue can be used for good and bad. But notice verse 10. It must be controlled. We must try and strive to control as much as we can. It says, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. James here is writing to Christians, including himself. A Christian must learn how to control what they say. It is a very very big aspect. Well, you say, well, how can I do that? Starts with the mind, brethren. Starts with the mind. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses 5 through 6, talks about bringing every thought into subjection to the obedience of Christ. What we put into our minds will affect what comes out of our mouth. If we're always on the internet looking and listening to, to bad things, you hear a word. You hear another word. Sooner or later, those are going to keep going through your mind. And you might say, well, they're, they're just in my mind. Sooner or later, you're going to mess up. Sooner or later, according to what we put into ourselves, something may slip. It starts with our mind. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 says, Be sober. Gird up the loins of your mind. Rest your hope fully on the graces to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Be sober. Think clearly. Make a conscious effort to keep our language and our minds clean. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 11 says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Brethren, do we act like the world? Do we speak like the world? If we speak like the world, are we exposing those works of darkness? But if we speak like a Christian, we speak as a follower of God, one who bears the name of Christ, we need to control what comes out of our mouth. Why? Because it is the way we spread God's word. Our speech is not controlled. There is no evangelism. Nobody will listen to us. Brethren, controlling our speech is so important. What did 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 8 say? If we, do not, if we do not have these things, we will be barren and unfruitful in the knowledge of Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to say this is a really good thing, and we all need to work on that. But there's something else that plagues the church. And it might be harder to think about. It might be harder to talk about it sometimes. What about our physical desires? This is a huge problem in the world and in the church. There are physical desires that are that God put into man between a man and a woman. 
these things are desires. But how many in the church are affected by it? How many sins are committed in the Lord's church throughout the world because of lack of control? How many innocent lives are lost because of lack of control? Maybe there was a party going on. Maybe there was even some drinking involved. Two individuals go through some actions, and because of that, a child is conceived. And because they all, all they want to do is do it again the next week, the next month, whenever, an innocent life is lost. Why? Because I can't control physical desires. How many unscriptural divorces come because of lack of control? How many divorces come because maybe one member of a marriage goes outside of the marriage? Brethren, these things are plaguing the world. You don't have to look very far. How far do we have to look in the church? Brethren, we need to make sure these things are controlled and we can give examples by how we live our lives. Brethren, there is only one reason for divorce. That is found in Matthew chapter 19. It is if one individual goes outside of the marriage bond. This is the only reason. And how many, how many problems come because of this? How many unscriptural divorces? All because of the underlying problem. Lack of control. So you might ask, well, how does one practice self-control? Because there are many examples throughout the world of people having physical relationships before a marriage. Follow God's plan for this. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4, as was on this projector this morning. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4. It says, Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. This is the only place for these desires. This is how God gave the pattern for control. And that is in his God-given ordained institution, one of the three, the government, the family, and the church. Marriage. This is how it is controlled. It is a hard thing to control, brethren, and this is even written about in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Paul even writes about the, the about how hard it is to control at times. It says, verse 2, Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except for consent with it for a time. You may give yourself to prayer and, and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of control. These things are hard to control at times, but God has given the pattern. And that is through marriage. Brethren, our examples of control, how we act, makes a great impact on, on those who are growing up in the church, those who maybe are newer to the church. 
do they see people following God's given institution for these for this desire? They are not wrong, but they need to be controlled and done in God's given place. And I say, yes, these are these are things that we need to work on. But why is it so important? Why is self-control so important? Well, self-control is one of the most important Christian attributes. We looked at some things we need to control because without self-control, we look just like the world. We must walk according to God, not the world. Turn over to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. Start in verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. There's a contrast here, light and dark. If there's no darkness in God, and if we as Christians bear the name of Christ, equal with God, the Son of God, there can be no darkness in us. This is how important self-control is. We looked at Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. We are the light of the world. The Christian is God's light in this lost, in this dark world. Brethren, self-control is so important. Second Peter chapter 1. We read verse 8. Let's read verses 8 through 10. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent in the things that he had just written, to make your call and election sure, or if you do these things, you will never stumble. Brethren, we must make sure we are diligent in self-control. If not, are we a diligent Christian? Brethren, the purpose of a Christian is twofold. To make it to heaven. Philippians chapter 3 verse 14 says, Press on to the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. Get to heaven. That is the number one goal of a Christian. The second part is to take as many to heaven as we possibly can. Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16. In the words of Jesus Christ himself, he said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Also, another passage in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and 20. It says, Go to all the nations. Nobody should be left out of the opportunity to get to heaven. This is the purpose of a Christian. But without self-control, will, will we be able to do this properly? Brethren, we must work on this. Self-control is truly applicable in all aspects of our lives. We have looked at a couple, but there are more. Self-control is crucial. As a Christian, are you practicing self-control in your life? Are you shining your light by disciplining yourself? 
and, let, and making yourself control yourself. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27 says, in the words of Paul, he says, but I discipline my body daily. Are we disciplining ourselves to control ourselves? Are we bringing ourselves into submission to the glory of God as Christians? If you're not a Christian, your light is not lit. You cannot be practicing self-control to the full glory of God. Your light will not shine until you are a Christian. Are you ready? Are you ready to put Christ on in baptism this morning? The plan of salvation is given throughout the Bible, but you can find the plan of salvation in the words of Jesus. The plan of salvation is you must hear the word of God. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So the faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Then you must believe the Bible. You must believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Acts chapter 8 and verse 37 gives us an example of somebody believing this. The Ethiopian eunuch said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Then you must repent of your sins. This is not a volunteer. This is not a... Uh, this, is, this is a commandment. It's not an option, not an optional thing to do, but it is a commandment. Acts chapter 17, verse 30 says, Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Paul was talking to people in Athens, Gentiles. It is no longer just one nation, but all men everywhere. Whoever wants to be a Christian and receive the grace of of God and to make it to heaven. Then you must confess your belief in Jesus Christ. Again, Acts chapter 8 and verse 37, this is what the Ethiopian eunuch did. He uttered the most important sentence a man could ever utter. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then the following verse, right after that, he went down into the water with Philip. And he baptized him. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4 show it's a complete immersion in water. It's, it is a watery grave. You go down, you bury the old man of sin, and you rise as a new creature. A physical body, do you bury just part of it? Absolutely not. A full immersion in water. Then you rise. Perfect. Because you met the blood of Christ through obedience to God's plan. And you are a new creature. Then you can go and live the faithful life. Practicing one of the aspects, self-control, as we've looked at this morning. And those who are faithful, James chapter 1 says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, heaven, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Are you a faithful Christian practicing this? Are you ready to become a Christian? If so, please do that this morning. James chapter 4, verse 14 says, For what is your life? It is a vapor that is here for a little while. We don't know how long we will live. We don't know when the Lord is going to come back. Today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow may be too late. Are you ready to make correction in your life this morning as a Christian? Are you ready to put Christ on in baptism and become a Christian?
there's any need, please come as we stand and sing a song of invitation.